1: Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, January twenty second is just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions once again for being sweethearts and sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers Local One Twenty Six and District Eight, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Local Nine, sponsor this program as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers Local One Fifty. Can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for uh, sponsoring this program, and of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show was brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. It is Wednesday, January twenty second, and live from the Chicago Sun Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue. This is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got Monroe Anderson in studio. Chicago radio personality, March Halpert of Indivisible Chicago, will join us. And it's the long-awaited return and Benny J Show podcast debut of Six Ward Alderman Roderick Sawyer. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist,
2: Ben Jarofsky. It's the Marge and Monroe Show here today uh, to... uh... They once were at each other's throats in 1989, <laughs> and now they're allies. 89 uh, is a long time right. ago, guys. We, we've been around yeah. the three of us.
3: I'd like to say we were once colleagues in the city hall press room.
2: Exactly, that is true. And, exactly. b- and there's a picture. That's Have you ever seen that picture? Yeah, uh, there's yeah, he's uh, the
4: okay. <laughs> there. Right? Uh, exactly. There's a picture uh,
2: from like 1980. Uh, let's not talk SB about
3: 384. Right. No, it has to be before
4: 83. You no,
2: know, I think it was 80 whatever it's anyway, a, pi- a whole picture yeah, of right you in guys. the middle Harold yeah, right, Washington right, right. uh and uh anyway good stuff all right D you got an update before uh, we go through some of these al- elections Monroe what were you gonna say
4: oh I was just gonna say that um we had children at um, Whitney Young together also same time we did
2: I did not know that uh, I once wrote a story about Marge Halpern's. uh was it your oldest daughter yeah That was a long time ago, man. (laughs) Time marches on. All right, enough. I, I
3: raised a rebel.
2: You sure did. God <laughs> I mean, bless her, man. Them, um, all right, D, you got an update? <laughs> Absolutely. It's official. Illinois State Rep Sarah
1: Feigenholtz is now Illinois Senator Sarah Feigenholtz. She was named to the uh, Sixth District State Senate seat, being vacated by the now-retired John Cullerton. Committee members voted unanimously for Feigenholtz at Sheffield's Beer Garden before moving to Ann Sather. Yes, our Chicago <laughs> Reader colleague, Maya Duke-Masova, <laughs> called it correctly. They were at Ann Sather, the restaurant-owned by Alderman Tom Tunney. Of what ward? Ah, come on, forty-four! What a dork, guys! (laughs) Still no word as to who will now replace Feigenholtz as state rep, but we will let you know uh, when Frank or I find out.
2: Yeah, all right. We talked about this with Rob Markwick yesterday. That deal was done. Everybody knew that Sarah Feigenholtz was going to be uh, replacing Johnny Cullerton, and uh, of course, the way we do it uh, in the state of Illinois, city of Chicago, is the ward committee men, who whose districts comprise. Uh, this, in this case, the state senate district get together and they convene, and I don't even know if anybody else's name was thrown in the hat. Uh, so they decided. So congratulations, Sarah Feigenholtz. You are now state senator uh, Feigenholtz. Yes, indeed. All right, let's get back to uh, the political discussion, uh, Monroe. Before we have Marge do that deep dive on the races that Democrats can win, explain your Emmett Till. Uh, metaphor. He made a, Monroe made an Emmett Till allusion. To uh, the trial. To the yeah. trial, yeah. What were you getting okay. out of
4: there? The, the with Emmett Till, okay, he's murdered, as as we know. Mm-hmm. And the two guys who murdered him mm-hmm. went on trial. They had to have a trial because it was a, a, a national uproar. In fact, it resulted in Rosa Parks sitting at the back of the bus a few months later. Uh, anyway, uh these, they, they have the trial. And the defense in the Emmett Till trial for the two guys on there was, it wasn't Emmett Till's body that was pulled out of the river. They, they the jury goes out, all white jury. Um, all, all the, every, every lawyer in the town where the, the lynching and, and murder occurred, every lawyer in the town was part of the defense. One of the sheriffs in the town was part of the the defense for these guys. They have the trial. They come to the conclusion not guilty so quickly that they said, Well, um, this is too quick. Um, We should have a Coke or something first. So they have a Coca Cola. And then, 68 minutes afterwards, after the trial, the jury had been had gone out to make the decision mm-hmm. they come back with a not guilty verdict.
2: And so you're saying that the, it's a similar strategy here. That's with what the, the Republicans
4: determined. are planning
3: on. Yeah. And it's the same kind of argument, you know. Right. It's like, um, uh, yeah, he did it, but there's nothing wrong. You don't understand what he was actually doing. You know, yeah, the phone call's true. Yeah, all that's true. But, you know, we do it all the time, and this is really part of, you know, how government works. Well, you know, they, wasn't well, really, yeah. didn't really kill Well, this, yeah, well, what,
4: what the Republicans gonna end up with, because they don't have a defense, because no. he did it, Trump yeah. did it, okay, so they don't have a defense. <laughs> no. yeah. they, nobody's even arguing that he didn't do it. But the, the it's gonna boil down to, well, he did it, but what he did was, isn't worth removing him from office.
2: Well that is uh, and there's a, a, a second part of the defense and that gets into uh, the OJ analogy which I think is so apt and that is they're just always attacking the prosecutors. So again I point out point this out Republicans have st- taken a, a chapter from uh, t- two hor- horrific trials the Emmett right. Till trial but, but, uh, uh, and the OJ trial where would
3: right. you go to right. find examples of I, good exactly, lawyer right.
2: lawyering. Yeah, right. okay
4: but my OJ <laughs> my, my OJ reference though in, in in my Facebook post yeah is that although OJ was found not guilty everybody knew that he was guilty and they um perceived him as such and they treated him as such and mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen if, if if they continue with this trial as it is trump will be um not, he, yeah he'll be branded all right for, forever mm-hmm. all right so
2: let's get into the brand uh the impact the political impact marge um first of all before we do that let's just explain why you decided uh, for elizabeth warren uh, why don't you give your uh your take on why you're wearing that Warren button why you decided to go with Warren
3: yeah well I I certainly think it's time to move the country left we try to make these compromises and get you know a standard bearer that can be a moderate bring people together you know and um, I'm not for that I think the center has moved right steadily in my lifetime and it's time to move back um, by having a serious course correction to the left and I believe that she gets things done. I think she's smart. She has good plans. I think she knows how to make compromises where she needs to. Um, but she has a leadership style and uh, platform that I respect.
2: And when you think of uh, the electability issue, uh And this is something that is raised more with Bernie. Well, it's raised with Elizabeth. Anytime the two lefty candidates get this all the time. The New York Times just dedicated immense amounts of time in their articles about Bernie and Elizabeth Warren on on the issue of can a lefty get elected. Right. And uh, what's your thoughts on that?
3: Well, first of all, you know, I think the whole electability thing is a canard, you know, because who... Who is telling us? We have all these headlines that say, you know, gotta go moderate to win the country, and their opinion columns by Republicans who are screwed because they can't vote for their guy anymore, and they're stuck. They thought they were they were, as it turned out, too clever by half, and voting for Gary Johnson. Those are. Part of the constituents who got us what we have today and they can't do that again now they know they got to go democrat and they're like oh you're gonna make me vote left yeah you know what we are because this is our party and if you'd like to be a guest in our house then you need to be respectful for how we've set up our house because you are coming over to our house we're not going to bend over backwards and create a candidate for you you wayward partyless moderate well yeah, moderate see, right No, this is a very well done yeah this is well a yeah,
4: thing you have to consider four years yeah. ago Trump was unelectable
3: that's right that's the number two answer uh, number one is it's our party and we're voting from the heart because that's what we do and number two is don't tell me who's unelectable
2: I, I, I just want to say apparently don't know how things have changed uh we're three baby boomers in this studio and a millennial mm-hmm. uh and my baby boomer friends were not saying this in 2016. Uh, they told me over and over again, Ben, you're throwing away your vote when you vote for Bernie. Ben, there's no way a Bernie can win this election. Ben, you have to vote for Hillary because she's the candidate could be. I, if, man, I had so many Bernie bro, uh, Bernie bro, uh, baby boomers telling me that 2016, the attitude has changed, Marge.
3: Although that was not my attitude in 2016. No. No,
2: I don't remember. But that's okay.
3: My attitude was I was for Clinton because I felt she could uh, return to her more progressive roots. I think she moderated for her husband, but when it was her turn, I thought she would be more progressive. I thought it was time for a woman. I still think it's time for yeah. a woman. And I'm with her. And I'm not a. Wait, are you fan ready to burning.
2: put on a Warren button now?
3: Hey, I, I, you, I, want don't you have
5: another one? No, no, no. No, right, exactly.
4: No, I'm talking about. <laughs> I was, I liked. I liked Hillary for the reasons she just oh, I en- enumerated. No, and I like, I like Warren. <laughs> I, I was <laughs> stronger, uh, uh, two months ago, I was stronger for Warren than mm-hmm. I am now because she seems to be wavering a bit. I mean, it's uh, the, the whole healthcare issue.
2: All right, just, just addressed that. Her
4: up.
3: Well, I, I believe there's a practicality to implementing a dramatic shift in a healthcare plan and I also believe the smartest thing that I've heard said on this whole business from either of these two candidates, I wish Warren it came from Warren, I wish she'd repeat it more. It's the basic question, who likes their private insurance? And I ask that question everywhere I go. I've had uh, my share of medical issues and it, always a fight with the insurance company. I'm in one right now over with United Healthcare over the cost of my prescriptions. All last year I had a prescription that was free, show up in january 5th and it's 170 and they're like yeah that's how much it was last year no it was zero last year i paid zero tell yeah. me why i'm paying this much now we'll get back to you in 15 days mm-hmm. you know they don't know why suddenly they don't know but if i didn't ask other people just pay; they're stuck. No, I, I don't know anyone who likes their insurance company. I appreciate the coverage, and I've had gold plans. You know, I worked for government; I had good plans. My husband's a union man; we always had good plans, and I still have a good plan, but it's costing minimum of twenty five thousand a year for insurance from mm-hmm. our well, two person family. By the
2: way, speaking of uh, arguments, uh, Marge, that are um, completely generated by the Republican. And this, uh, the Republican Party. This really irritates me about the debates. I've watched every debate, and when they get to the health care issue, mm-hmm. I watch the moderates on the stage: Amy Klobuchar, uh, Pete Buttigieg, mm-hmm. Joe Biden. Uh, make the argument that people don't want to give up their private insurance. And then they counter, how are we going to pay for this? And these are Republican right. talking points. Right. I find that exceedingly frustrating to hear Democrats yeah. echo Republican right. talking right. points. I don't
3: like it. And I, the other thing I was going to say, though, is that the only person who's ever said, wait, I love my insurance. I'm like, what? And she says, yeah, I pay, I forget what it was, like $300 a month. Wow, that's pretty good. She says, yeah, my, my employer pays 1700 a month. Exactly. There's 2000 a month that we need to fund Medicare for All. What do you think is going to pay for it if you hang on to your insurance because you have it? All those other people who don't have it or who don't have a good enough plan are going to have to bear the brunt of you enjoying your employer's uh, largesse. The yeah, fact it, that your you employer know, takes care of you. What about all the people unemployed and underemployed? Mm-hmm. Or you if know. you
2: lose your job, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. and right, someday
3: mm-hmm. you're going to want to retire. Then right. what are you going to do? Right. like I, not, I, the yeah. gap between you and 65. You're plenty of people we know can't retire until 65 because they're hanging on for insurance. Right. My it, sister took a part-time job somewhere, you know, to get insurance coverage until she could retire. I, I, you gotta get real. But my point, my answer about Warren, when she looks like she's—you have to get realistic about it. Let's phase it in. Let's talk about what a realistic phase in is. Why would you say now four years, eight years, whatever Buttigieg and and Klobuchar are putting out there? It, the point is, let's talk about it. Let's see how long it takes. And I guarantee, once you see what Medicare will cover, and you have a good, solid plan. You're not going to think twice about that private insurance. That's what Warren needs to be saying. Yeah,
4: okay, this is my problem, is that you have everybody concerned about what the cost of health care is going to be. We never question the military budget.
2: Right right on. (laughs) It's
4: like, what is this war costing us?
3: (laughs) Oh, no, didn't you hear the other day when Mnuchin, maybe at Davos, was saying, um, look, the deficit is the Democrats' fault because they wouldn't let us cut. We wanted to cut the military budget, but they wouldn't let us. What kind of of a twilight zone are we in when that's a talking point of Republicans? Maybe if we'd have cut the military budget, we wouldn't have had the disaster in Iran that we have now. But Uh, that's
2: another thing. They they want
3: it both ways is all. I didn't really mean to interrupt. They're taking it both ways.
4: That's that's the thing that really bugs me. We spend more money than... Uh, the other 10 countries behind us yeah. in military expenditure
3: and in health care.
2: Well, this and this yeah, we yeah.
3: overpay right now, never mind what it's going to cost. Right. It's costing that right now, which was my point about the employer. Right.
2: All right, so uh Marge, you're embracing the lap le- you're you're embracing your inner lefty uh and uh it's now an
3: outer lefty <laughs> uh, it's now an
2: outer lefty and uh yeah now I,
3: it's
4: now that she's not working for daily yeah yet, no now her <laughs> true self can come out
3: <laughs>
5: she's letting her freak flag fly i appreciate it
2: uh, I, I love freak flags uh, all right we
3: can talk about that uh,
2: so uh all right so let's get back to what you do uh on your as a volunteer Indivisible Chicago and I've had you on the show so many times talking about it um, you organize uh, platoons of Democratic uh, Activists to go into swing districts and knock on doors uh, And this is where the fight goes on that will change Congress or the Senate uh, This is this is just like basic 101 uh, Electioning it has nothing to do with on the front page of the New York Times today Um so how does this health care issue stand? Uh, how does this work? What's its impact in the districts that you think the Democrats can either flip from red to blue or to hold on to like Lauren Underwood's district, for instance?
3: healthcare, especially for Lauren Underwood in her district, healthcare is still a number one issue people want to talk about they're concerned about and they they want their pre-existing conditions protected. The idea that this administration is still in court right now trying to take away The protection of your pre-existing conditions coverage, and other elements of Obamacare, and they, you know, how come Obamacare doesn't work? Well, because you're decimating it one lawsuit at a time. The Trump, that's Trump's way, right? So people understand that, and they want to protect health care. And I still think that the GOP is vulnerable there. But let me let me elaborate on the nice introduction you gave to what Indivisible Chicago is doing. Um, And invite all your listeners to join us February 3rd at the Athenaeum Theater for the True Blue Review. This is the official kickoff of our 2020 campaign uh, because, you know, the candidates who ran the 2016 campaign, the candidate who ran the 2016 campaign fell down on the job in Wisconsin and Michigan. Uh, But we are uniquely seated where we can, within an hour, hour and a half, depending on where you live in the city, you can get to Michigan and or Wisconsin, and they need our help. We're not going to wait for uh, the candidate to organize and tell us where to go. We're organizing ourselves. So on February 3rd at the Athenaeum Theater, we are... Uh, kicking off it's basically a rally for volunteers to come out and do the work so we're going to entertain you we have a improv show a one night only politically themed of course of a lot of veterans from Second City I.O. and other talent that you'll recognize produced by T.J. Shanoff who um, was music director at Second City for a couple of decades um, and uh, he is writing and producing this and we'll have top talent Uh, there to entertain us and we will also have sign-ups for how you can get involved in the three states that have one mission holding down the fort here in illinois lauren sean caston maybe we can move a little more aggressively for betsy uh, londrigan down uh, state and uh, of course marie newman is our number one priority for the primary here the fair tax initiative must must pass Mm -hmm. if we're to fund the things that we believe communities need. So we have work to do in Illinois, but we also have work to do in Michigan and in Wisconsin, so we're signing people up to get involved. Um, We're happy to have you write postcards. We're sending 500,000 postcards to Wisconsin for the April 7th primary. A Little more than half of them are out already. I think that number 500,000 is gonna get even bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, That's great, Um, postcards are really effective, but they're campaign 101. And we want to graduate people to the 200 and 300 series classes and train you how to canvas because uh, canvassing turns more voters more quickly than any other kind of contact.
2: Talk about that. What are some of the 101s?
3: Well, um, you, the face-to-face relationship is what convinces people. Now you're going to ask me to know those statistics. It is seven percent better. Uh, than any other form that we use, phone banks or postcards, and I'm pretty sure that statistical will hold. Don't hold me to these numbers, but they're rough. Um, more likely to turn a voter. Um, one, to three, one out of 14 will turn on a phone bank. Three out of 14 will turn on a canvas door to door. So the conversations make a difference, and we get that feedback in the campaign, and improves the campaign because they know how voters really feel, um, and you bring people along. So um, we're out for Marie Newman every weekend now. She's the first candidate we've endorsed as indivisible Chicago. She's a national indivisible. She'll be here on this show too.
2: on Thursday. Excellent.
3: Mm. Um, take a listen. She's she's a strong candidate, and um, uh, and then Michigan and Wisconsin. I want to tell you what we're doing in Michigan. We're coordinating with the indivisible teams on the ground in Michigan. And they have a strategy that I'll admit was hard to grasp at first, but I want you to hear me out. We're campaigning for state House candidates there. People are like, wait, isn't this about Trump? Well, yeah, but you start at the bottom. The problem we've had in the past, the reason Congress is where it's at, is because you're focused on the presidential race. And people split their ticket. People will vote for your presidential candidate and then they'll throw in some Republicans in Congress just to keep things even or I don't know what the conscious thought is. But we saw that, you know, in the state. Look at Rauner and the legislature that he had to contend with. People like, yeah, I want to change, but not too much change. So they Mm -hmm. gave Rauner the governor's Uh, ship and took the
4: The reason they were voting for the the lower rung candidates is because the Koch brothers were were, um, giving them money. To take over they've had a 20-year project as to how 20 years behind and
3: then you take over the state legislature and you control the maps you control critically the state courts the legislation that passes at the state level the courts that it goes through and you're controlling what goes to the supreme court and i've said this on your show before i'm sure because we can't do much about who's on the u.s supreme court right now but we can do something about the legislation they get to rule on mm-hmm. why aren't they getting the liberal take on choice legislation maps and other key issues they're just getting the red states uh, oppressive testing we need to test it on the other side and force some liberalization of those laws by controlling the state house in michigan so in michigan is 3 seats There are three seats in Michigan Six, which is the southwest corner that we all go to for the beaches, Mm -hmm. um, from the harbor to Kalamazoo. Um, And we're, um, right now, uh, I'm supporting John Hoadley. We haven't made an endorsement as an institution, as an organization, uh, who's running for Congress in that district. We can help Gary Peters, who needs to be shored up, the Democrat senator who is up for re-election. And then the three state House seats that can be flipped Mm In that district. So if we win back the Michigan State House, they've already got control of the um, leadership. We have a Democrat, as Secretary of State, so that's going to stop the voter oppression that happened in 2016. But you have to work at the state level. You think you're signing up for Trump, but we're going to go straight ticket from the bottom to the top, because that's how that
2: works. I'll uh, put a little different take on it. Instead of the bottom, the grassroots.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're supporting this. A guy in Benton Harbor. I know you have listeners who have summer homes mm-hmm. and who will go up in the winter um, to the coast in Michigan. And a guy named Chokwe Pitchford, who's a young African-American um, business entrepreneur type, smart guy, and um, based in Benton Harbor, which is critical district if we're going to have our Democrat win the White House. But we're starting at the grassroots in Benton Harbor where a lot of voters i um, a little annoyed. Democrats haven't talked to them lately. Uh, it,
2: and how is impeachment uh, an issue? Last time we were on the show, we were talking. Uh, you were a little concerned about impeachment in some of these swing districts. Uh, and uh, I, I, I I, take the other view. I think the Democrats should be really, I'm with Monroe on this one. Uh, they should be aggressive and go hard and go strong. Uh, what's your take and how impeachment's uh, playing on in some of these swing districts?
3: You know, not talking about it. Doesn't come up. I, I my most recent canvas two weekends ago for Marie Newman, um, which is certainly a you know mixed kind of district in the third um, Southwest side, southeast side um, Chicago. But um, no one mentioned it. Not you know, uh, they're talking about health care, they're talking about immigration, they're talking about jobs. They got an issue in that district with trains idling, which is a whole nother thing. Transportation issues. They have a lot of railway in there that that disrupts um, the communities. They're local, you know. Who's the guy running in North Carolina? I want to say Jamie Harrison. Harrison. Yeah. So have you seen his spot about the dirt road? No. He's got it. Look him up. He's a. It's a very powerful spot where he's um, talking to a guy on his porch, an um, older African American man, and he says you know, I think Harrison says or something, you know, it's time for a change. He said, let me tell you about change. See that road, that dirt road out there, you know? That dirt road all my life has been giving us trouble, you know, it's bad in the winter, it's bad in the you know, spring, all this stuff, the dirt road. That was a dirt road when I moved here 40 years ago. We've had a lot of change in Washington, but it's still a dirt road.
2: Yeah,
4: and, wow. he, <laughs> and, and, and he's just two points behind Lindsey. Graham. Yeah.
3: Oh, so
2: it's South Carolina.
3: South Carolina, yeah. North Carolina. No, no, it's. I remember.
2: You know, it's it was funny you should say that <laughs> See, because <you> know. <laughs> uh, there was a senator in uh, New York named Al D'Amato, and they used to call him Senator Pothole because Al D'Amato, he was a Republican. He was a Republican senator in a in a Democratic state who was absolutely obsessive about local issues and everything's local. Mm-hmm. And so when when I listened to what you just said, uh, I, I heard man, there are so many wards in the city of Chicago that could use some some assistance from the powers that be and that's what was the voter turnout in the city last time 35 yeah, 30 percent. there's so something. many people yeah. uh-huh. Marge, to the, the point that that gentleman makes in that commercial there's so many people who just dropped out of the, of the process because they don't think there's any hope they don't think any of these candidates
3: they're not going to help me yeah you know and i it resonated for me because when i was a kid dirt road that we had to travel a lot i lived in a rural area and one day they put one of those counters across the road with a cord, you know, so every time a car goes, they decide whether to pave the road based on how much traffic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my mom got in the car, she drove up and down the road for like <laughs> half an hour, <laughs> click, 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 <laughs> and they paved that road, I think thanks to my mom. But like, those are the things that move. She was not particularly political, you know, at that time, but like, those are the things that move the needle. What are you really doing that matters? And healthcare is number one. Everybody's feeling it.
2: March Halpern. Monroe Anderson will come back. We'll talk Hillary and Bernie. We'll be right back. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them Chicagoland Cremation com. One more time Chicagoland Cremation Options.com. .com.
1: Hey, commercial break's over. Welcome back to the Ben
2: Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Marge Hopper in the studio. Monroe Anderson in the studio. Rod Sawyer about to enter the studio. Things are busy here today. Uh, Marge, one more time, just promote, promote, promote. What do you got? Uh, yep. Give people some Join information. Join us
3: February 3rd for the True Blue Review. It's True Blue Review, R-E-V-U-E, like the theater, dot uh, com. True Blue Review.com. Join our whole movement, three states, one mission three states one mission.com you can use the letters or the numbers the i mean yeah the letters or the numbers the words are the numbers three states one mission sign up to join us because if we can't knock the doors we can't win and we will train you some of these improv uh trainers that we're working with for the show on uh, true blue review are also volunteering for canvas training helping us have productive conversations we've put together a great uh, traveling show i was just out in oak park the other night and we had 35 people at hamburger mary's and teaching people how to canvas and giving some techniques. so w- we'll hold your hands we'll join you um mm-hmm. you'll have an experienced buddy the first time you go um, but we also have phone banking postcards and other opportunities to learn more about about it but in the end if we don't canvas we don't win
2: all right, and uh, let's get to this uh, Bernie Hillary uh, story that's uh, in the front page of the New York Times. It's been talked about all, all over the internet. Nobody likes him, uh, Hillary Clinton. These are her comments. Nobody wants to work with him. Uh, He got nothing done. He was a career politician. This is uh, a comment she made in the documentary. Uh, She's already walked him back, classic Clintons. I remember the same thing going down with Bill saying all kinds of nasty stuff of Barack Obama in the 2008 primary in South Carolina. Then, what? What'd I say? You know what I mean? The Clintons, man. (laughs) I'm going to throw it at you, Marge. I, I, I voted for Bernie in 2016, and then I turned right around and voted for Hillary. And most Bernie people did, most Bernie bros did that. The, the studies that I've read uh, show that the number of Bernie bros, or Bernie supporters. My friend
3: Patty says stop saying Bernie bro. Okay,
2: all right. I won't say Bernie, I'll bow to Patty's wisdom. Although it's hard not She's to. She's not a bro. Uh, is she a Bernie supporter? Yeah. Oh, right on Patty. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the number of Bernie supporters who voted uh, for Trump was less than the number of Hillary supporters who voted for John McCain. Now, I could show you the study, the political science who did that study. Uh, <laughs> and yet, nobody chastises Hillary Clinton for not keeping her supporters in line and getting them to all vote
4: uh, blue. She didn't have control of her supporters. Bernie had Bernie control does. of her supporters.
3: Uh, you know what? <laughs> no, seriously, no,
4: Bernie, Bernie is to the left what Trump is to the right. And that's how dedicated Bernie, people
2: and are. I'll show you the, the video of Bernie in October in Iowa, in North Carolina.
3: He did, but he didn't turn out his supporters. Look, I was in Iowa, sadly, not in Wisconsin or Michigan that last week working working for Hillary. (laughs) And the biggest fights on the doorstep were Bernie supporters. Just can't do it. Just can't do it. But look, I'll stick with my Democrat for President statement and say, I don't really want to spend another minute complaining about the candidates I don't Care for him because I, Bernie is not my favorite. There are things I don't like about him and reasons why I don't want to vote for him in the primary. But if he's the standard bearer, I'm not only voting for him, I'm knocking doors and organizing other people to knock doors for him because that's how we win. We don't win by reliving 2016. Hillary, please sit down this is not your moment and your point of view not particularly helpful right now we are running a new campaign and a new primary with a new set of candidates, and we have to figure this out as voters and activists. All right,
2: fair enough. That's a good point. I just want to point out you can't have it both ways, Monroe. Uh, Marge just pointed out uh, right, wh- that what,
3: what both ways. Uh, well, is that, uh,
2: Marge just pointed out that Bernie couldn't deliver his uh, supporters. They said, "Sorry, when she was knocking on the door, I'm not going to do it." Meanwhile, Bernie was out there. So you can't say he's Rasputin and has his Rasputin-like control over his Bernie supporters <laughs> if he's out there giving passionate speeches on behalf.
4: Well,
3: I never heard in his speech, every one of my supporters, as much as I appreciate your dedication, you have a job to do right now. We have a job to do. Vote for Hillary. You must do that. He got out and said things about Hillary and how good she was. But I never heard him, maybe he did, I never heard him address his supporters, put it down and go vote for her right, now. Listen,
2: I literally did, it, it, did he say the words that you scripted him to say? He did no. more, I'll put it this way, Ross, <laughs> sorry, the rule. I'm gonna put this out for right. Bernie Sanders did more to elect Hillary Clinton in 2016 than Rahm Emanuel did than Richie Daley did, than any Chicago Democrat did. He went to Iowa, he went to North Carolina, and he gave passionate low speeches. Low
5: I agree, All right? but low So, bar.
2: I mean, why isn't Hillary Clinton blasting Richie M. Daley? Throw that out of here with Rod the Sawyer's in the because room. Because
3: it's over. Nobody should be, we don't need to relive it. We need to move on and look at the issues and the candidates. But,
4: but I understand she's, she's pissed off because geez. she's watching what a horrible President Trump is and thinking how great she <laughs> would have been. And so, Every day she gets up and oh, watches we all TV. Are, she, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. We're all thinking yeah, she'd yeah. have done a better job. Yeah, Come right. I know, but I'm lobi. saying for her person, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing the human quality. That said, right Monroe
2: and Marge, yeah, I'll say this now: as irritated as I am at Hillary Clinton for the comments that she made yeah. and how I. Uh, how irritated I am at the Clintons in general. They always undercut the Democratic Party. When the Democratic Party decides to go for someone different than Clinton, they did it to Barack Obama, I would still vote for Hillary Rodham Clinton over Donald John Trump if the election were right now.
3: Yeah. Yep, yep, well, and I think the Gary Johnson Clinton. folks would say that yeah. also. No, she
4: was being a, a Clinton, and if you remember, Bill undermined her when she was running.
3: Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah, That's he right. undermined That's her. Right. Exactly.
4: Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah, the left-handed campaign <laughs> exactly. is kind of right. a, a exactly. thing. Right. No, I, look, you know, it's over. I, I we didn't she didn't persevere. She didn't persist. She didn't make it. We have a new set of candidates. We need to stop talking about her. We need to stop fighting with or with Bernie or anyone else. And go for your candidate. Put forward how you're going to improve things. You ask what people are saying on the street. They're not asking about impeachment. They're asking what is this candidate going to do to improve my life, Uh, pave uh, my in the swing
2: districts. I'll tell you who Mm -hmm. is talking about impeachment. When Monroe Anderson. Oh, I'll <laughs> talk about impeachment all day if yeah. you want. But, <laughs> Monroe Anderson comes up every
4: Wednesday every and talks two impeachment. Two and a half years. Yeah,
5: two
2: and a half years.
5: <laughs> well, that's
3: just the Republicans' uh, uh, talking point, isn't it? Right. Trying to impeach them all this now, time. Now listen,
2: uh, I tell everybody uh, this, uh, this show is open-minded about all the, the candidates running for office. So right here, right now, I have uh, Marge Hopper, an old friend. She's got her... Uh, Warren button on. Monroe announced today that he's ready to wear a Warren button. Uh, well, usually. Not,
4: not quite that oh, much. Oh, we heard but that. Yeah, we I, heard that. But, <laughs> I, I was yeah. ready to take the button. Not right. No, uh, my position is anybody but Tulsi. Among the Democrats. Okay, there you go.
3: Yeah, anybody that, but Tulsi. Now that Williamson has yeah, right. dropped out.
4: Uh, I,
2: wait, I got a Williamson button. Where's my Williamson button? I got a I Williamson button. I, like I, I, I think
3: they got some left. I
4: liked Marianne. I wouldn't have voted for her, but I like her uh, because she was so weird. I like Marianne, too,
2: but uh, I was not going to vote. Anyway, uh, Rod, sir, my next guest is a Joe Biden supporter. He's a Joe Biden delegate. So we're open to Joe Biden and people, too. We welcome him to the studio. Uh, so we got uh, Marge Monroe here. We're going to take a break uh, and bring on Rod Sawyer when we return.
4: Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words.
1: Your taxes do show that you're a millionaire. You did make a million in 2016, 2017. You're right, the 561 in 2018. But your marginal tax rate tax rate was 26% because of President yeah. Trump's tax cuts. So why not say, you know, I'm leading this revolution. I'm not gonna take those. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Come on, but dear, I am, I pay the taxes that I owe. And by the way, why don't you got Donald Trump up here and ask him how much he pays in taxes? Yeah, we will. Yeah, well, I am eagerly awaiting you're doing that. Well, we'd love to have you. We would love we'll, to have you know, make that this. that question, up we absolutely and And uh, the president, I guess the president watches your network a little bit, right?
5: <laughs> hey, President Trump, my wife and I just released 10 years. Please do the same. Let the American people know how <laughs> much All
1: right. But just, just to wrap that up, you do spend a lot of time vilifying millionaires. No, I don't vilify. vilify.
2: Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. land cremation dot com but
1: well, we gotta get down to business hey welcome
2: back to the ben jarofsky show live from the chicago sun times we are indeed live marge haubern uh, has left the studio well not quite yet she's getting of her stuff uh rod sir has joined us the alderman of the sixth ward uh welcome to the show rod thanks for having me ben and uh he's i asked monroe to stick around because many years ago uh rod was uh, just a little lad uh probably he, i was, an adult. was a college
0: student i was Wait. a law student you yeah, that? Yeah. We lost our yeah. bat, got you like at
2: age 16 or no, something like that. I was grown. I was, was totally Oh, let me remind you. He was a young legal scholar, and <laughs> uh, Monroe was working for uh, his father, the Eugene Sawyer, mayor of the city of Chicago. So anyway, I thought it would be kind of cool, yeah, historically yeah. speaking, yeah. Uh, Monroe and uh, Rod yeah, Sawyer. His,
4: his dad was a great man. I yeah. well,
2: appreciate it. Uh, Eugene Sawyer, yeah. I voted for eugene sawyer uh in 1989 uh when he ran against uh, richard m daly yes i did i did all right rod sawyer uh, i've been promoting this all day uh you are a joe biden delegate and yes. i've had uh bernie burroughs in here i lo- oh, wait i'm not allowed to call him that anymore bernie supporters in here elizabeth warren supporters in here uh, marion williamson supporters in here uh you're the first person i've had who's openly said i'm from joe biden which is really strange rod sawyer because he's leading the polls uh okay you know what i'm saying yeah, i
0: thought that would be kind of strange i thought
2: we'd have more biden supporters come around uh, you know a lot of people who would i expect to be biden supporters like well i'm kind of on the fence okay well i'll start with why do you support him and then uh, the follow-up is why do you think there's so much hesitancy to support him? but go ahead why do you support him
0: my Personal journey was an easy. Lift. I had an opportunity to meet Joe Biden. Had lunch with him last year, last summer, and had a nice long conversation with him. And I felt that he was a genuine individual. I, I liked his program. I liked his platform. And quite honestly, I just decided to support him as you know someone that I had a personal not you know had a personal opportunity to have interaction with. And um, I believe in his platform. It's just simple as that. I, I don't disagree with a lot of other candidates. I think we have a lot of good candidates in the race on the Democratic side. Uh, it's just that Biden kind of spoke to me, and and I felt that I can be helpful in, in being a part of his campaign.
2: Are there any issues from the past that gave you hesitancy uh, to support Joe Biden?
0: No, not really. I, I had an opportunity, and I, you know, there were some tough questions. It was a small group luncheon I, I had with him, and there were some legitimate tough questions being bounced around, and I think he handled it quite well, and he was honest about it. And I feel that, you know, going forward, I think he's our best option to win this race against the current individual that's in the White House.
2: All right, the current individual who will not be named. Right. I think his name is Voldemort. Trump. Voldemort, yeah. uh, <laughs> Voldemort. uh And, uh, all right, so you're getting electability issues. We'll come back to those. But what were some of the issues that people raised with Biden that there were some of the concerns you said? There were some tough questions asked him at this point.
0: Well, the there were issues as relates to various statements that were made in, in the past um, some indecisions that that they felt that should have been more concrete about but uh, I felt after actua- after having met him and spoke to him he was somebody that that I could support and uh, get behind in the race and I felt quite honestly comfortable in, in making that decision uh, I think again I think we have a lot of credible candidates in the race uh, I agree with some disagree with some some of the platforms that are being put forth and i can say that about joe biden as well but i did, think overall he's the person that i would choose to support at this point
4: did anita hill come up in the conversation
0: no anita hill did not come up in the uh. conversation okay
2: <laughs>
0: no she did not
2: uh, anita hill wow that's going back <laughs> that and went back, uh yeah. that anita hill of course joe, uh, joe biden was the uh, chairman of the uh, judiciary, judiciary committee yes. uh, back and i think it was 1991 i want to say mm-hmm. uh, when clarence thomas uh, was george bush's nominee for supreme court justice uh, and it was at that uh, hearing where it, uh, the the story was emerged that uh, Anita Hill had accused Clarence Thomas of sexual harassment uh, when, when she worked for him and uh, i think we'll all agree that joe biden did a pretty terrible job of handling
0: exactly uh
2: now exactly this is 1991 this is some monday morning quarterbacking uh, the right. world was a lot different You had ted kennedy sitting on uh, i can remember this stuff rod sawyer so well ted Kennedy sitting there and he of course had chappaquiddick right so he couldn't say a word uh and and you know here's what they did
4: and plus he was he was, he was skirt chasing at the time also
2: That is Monroe Anderson's. Maybe he has some inside scoops on Kennedy that I do not have. But Monroe, you know this, and so does Rod Sawyer. The the white Democrats, the senators, essentially look to their black uh, constituents for help on this one. They're like, well, we got a black woman, and we got a black man, and I'm a white guy, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to turn to my black constituent. Alan Dixon did this in Illinois, the senator from mm-hmm. Illinois, and it was a split verdict and in the black committee. Carol
4: Mosley-Broad became senator. And she became, became senator games. right after that.
2: Right, right. She became senator. Exactly.
3: You
5: know,
2: because you had a lot of split. like some, guy, some. It was like, well, it was a he said, she said thing, and a lot of black guys were saying, well, I, I don't believe her, her. And, you know, and um, man, what a bad decision, because guess what? Clarence Thomas has been a Supreme Court Justice, Monroe Anderson. Almost 30, 30 years. Tonight. 30 years. And
4: he's done every, everything he's done has been anti us and anti progressive, except there was one ex- exception, and that's when there was this issue about lynching came up. And Clarence could even go there on that one. He, he had to make the right decision. I remember that one. Yeah. Did, did
2: he actually vote against lynching? All uh, right. Yes, yes, that's the one thing. I don't remember that. Rod Sawyer, I don't remember I, that. I, I, guess,
4: I guess he said, I already had an electronic one. I don't want a real one. You can't make the real ones. Keep them around.
2: Man, it I, still irritates me, Rod Sawyer. I got to tell you, it was mm-hmm. 1991, and Clarence Thomas was against affirmative action. All yes, right? right? So whenever a black guy's trying to get a job, he's like, Oh, don't fall back on race. Right, it's a meritocracy. Right, okay, right. you got to be the best. Right, and then as soon as he was in trouble exactly. because of sexual harassment charges, it's like, oh yeah, I'm a black guy and they're right. picking on me. God damn! Right.
4: Now, you know, but what's what's really interesting about him is um, I have a friend who he, he 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 was he was at her wedding. Whose wedding? Clarence Thomas was at this friend's wedding. Her name is Carol. Carolyn White.
2: Uh-huh.
4: He was at her wedding and this was back in the 70s. He he looked like a black panther. I mean, he had the big afro, the leather, the Well, we've all got the changes. <laughs> right, exactly. You should have yeah. seen
2: Rod Sawyer in the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh all right, Rod, let's go back to Joe Biden. So, yeah, he didn't do a very good job uh with the the need hill, hill hearings. Yes. Uh but you're you figure well that you give him a break on that one.
0: Yes, I give him a break on that one. And that's again, that was thirty years ago, I, I think a lot has happened since then. Um, you know, everybody has their come to Jesus moments every so often. And I think, yeah, you know, that was one that he can't get around, and I don't think he tried to get around it. But uh, although it didn't come up in the luncheon, but it's something that I know that's been bantered about.
2: And and what about the uh, Joe Biden's vote uh, on the criminal justice bill of the Clinton years? Did that come up at the luncheon as well?
0: That did come up a little bit, and uh, you know we talked about it, and it was something that a uh, few of us expressed a little bit of a concern about. And, and I think he handled again. I think he handled it overall well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like uh, I remember this statement, and I I I, I remember this statement only because I saw Congressman Rush around the corner. As I was walking in here, you're kidding. He, he's coming. he's here. He's, he's a, at the Sun Times too? Yeah, he's oh. over there, and uh, and uh, and and that. someone asked him a question about uh, about an opinion, uh, and a statement he made, and he said, "Why did you change? You know, what happened? Did you change your opinion?" He said, he said "What changed?" He said, "My mind." <laughs> he said, "I changed my mind," and, and 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 I thought that was an appropriate statement at the time. He said, I, Things change and I changed my mind, yeah, it, I changed my perspective. Wait, who right. said that? Bobby
2: Rush said that. Bobby That's Rush a great that. line. Yeah. I'm gonna steal that. Yeah, right. <laughs> what changed you know, my it, mind? That, my mind.
4: Exactly. See, and, and the thing is, with that whole send us to prison bill that came out mm-hmm. of that, the war on drugs, at the time, um, it's when crack cocaine was hitting the neighborhood. And so you had most black politicians because they had a, they had a problem with it. It was it was and like it was uncontrollable. Yeah, exactly. So they they were for this. Well, and and they, and so the the white guys were for it because correct.
2: the black guys you, were for it. You just it's the same thing as I was saying about why so many white senators, Democrats, voted for Clarence Thomas. Mm-hmm. They were taking their lead in the, on the issue. But you're absolutely okay. right, uh, Rod. So many uh, black congressmen were for that the Clinton bill. Right. So history. It's a different world. It's a different world. It's a different world. Now, all right, let's get to this. Uh, you're older than I, I always think you're way younger than you are, right? I don't know why I do that, but that I always shocked. Remember the one conversation we had where you knew all those movies from the 70s? I yeah. couldn't believe it. <laughs> uh, so there was an article in the paper today, an interesting article. Uh, Joe Biden was being questioned by uh, a younger black journalist and uh, put to Biden the fact that uh, polls show that Uh, younger black voters are for Bernie or a greater percentage of them are for Bernie than older black voters. Do you think there's a generational divide here?
0: A little bit, yes. I I, I talk to my children who tend to be more Bernie Warren, um, you know, engagers. I won't say supporters yet, but they tend to engage about that. But at the same time, they're tending to realize now that a lot of the things that, uh, issues that are being put forth by someone like Bernie Sanders are, are great, but you know, their, their understanding for me now is that, you know because I always ask the question and they hear me ask it, how do you pay for it? You know, Free college for everyone is great. Free medical care is great. All these things are superb and I, I wish we can have them. I wish we can find a way to get a lot of these things, but you know, we have to be fiscally responsible and to figure out how do we get there. And, and how do we pay for these things? So I don't want people to, to just say that if you hear this, we're going to get, you know, if you vote for
2: this person, we're automatically going to get free education for all. Well, uh, uh, there's a gentleman sitting right next to you who has an answer to that question. All right. And I'm going to turn to him right now, Monroe Anderson. <laughs> so they tell us we can't afford health care, but we can't afford a military budget. So how do we pay for the health care, Monroe Anderson? <laughs>
4: <laughs> we pay for the health care by... You're charging the rich more money. Well, what about the
2: military us. budget?
4: And we cut the military budget, of course. You know, the, the thing is, I can't, there's there's one of the, those um, socialist countries that um, the right wing never mentions. They always use Venezuela as example of socialism. Mm-hmm. But the top, the 10 happiest countries in the world are all socialist countries. Is that right? Yes, yes, you do. If you if you Google the happiest countries, it's Denmark, <laughs> Norway, <laughs> places is like that. And I mean,
2: where's, and, where's the city of Chicago on that? Right, one? Exactly right.
4: No, and 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 the thing the thing is, um, one of them. I remember. I can't remember. If it was Denmark or Norway. Mm-hmm. But one of them, they pay their students to go to college. Mm-hmm. Not college is colleges, drives, yeah. huh?
0: Denmark, drives. Denmark, right. Denmark so, yeah,
4: you uh, know, so, so I mean, it, it, it depending on where your values are,
0: mm-hmm.
4: um, that's where your money goes.
2: So, it, is yeah. the is the can't afford it uh, argument a good one for Democrats to be making? I'm sorry, the is that we can't afford health care a good no, argument? No,
0: I'm not saying that that's the argument that has to be. I just say that in my household. I was just giving that example.
4: He's that raising physically responsible <laughs> children. children <laughs> yeah, <yes. exactly. laughs> I just want him to ask
0: a question, yeah, be right, able yeah. to ask a question, you know, how do we get there? Got it. Okay. And uh, I'm not saying that's going to be the answer, but uh, one of the things, I and, and I'll say this, and I, I'm speaking just for myself, not for the Biden camp, I believe in socialized medicine. I do. I'm sorry. I I, I believe don't that. apologize. I, I do. I, I yeah. believe that one of the things that we should have socialized is medicine. Yeah. Healthcare should be for all, no matter what, you know, what your status in life is. I with you yeah. 100. So percent right, That's sorry. one of the things I wish we can. I would love to, for us to figure out.
2: Well, I hope you use your influence with Joe Biden. To put, I I get the feeling that Biden will move left. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your sense about that?
0: I think he'll move slightly to the left. I think that. He he almost has to. I think that that he has to move a little slightly to the left. Uh, you want to engage the younger voters, but at the same time, don't you know abandon your principles. But uh, like you said, sometimes you have to change your mind. You know, and sometimes you be enlightened about different things that come forward to you and.
2: I don't believe, and I could be wrong here, I don't know Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. I do not believe that Joe Biden has a principled opposition to what you call socialized medicine. Mm -hmm. I believe that Joe Biden, uh, like all uh, Democrats of his generation, are uh, linked to this notion, they can't shed it, that it's just a losing issue. That if you go out and run a campaign based on uh, healthcare for all, they're going to call you a commie, a socialist. It's going to be like 1972. They haven't got over 1972, right. Rod Sawyer. Right. And you were around in 1972. Uh, so you then might, I was a little kid. Okay, yeah. okay. Oh, the you're early, you're early 70s, you were a right. little. Right.
4: Okay. Okay. I have a question for her. Okay, sure. Biden wins. Okay, who's his veep? Oh, is it Kamala Harris or is it Stacey Adams or
2: somebody you gotta else? you got to have a black woman, right?
0: I would, if I was advising him, I yeah. would look toward a black woman um you know kamala harris has had issues you know in her time as uh uh california's attorney general uh that need to be fleshed out a little bit more so i don't know that's a good
4: question well, that sounds like stacy adams to me stacy abrams is very yeah. impressive uh
0: right i, I like her i, yeah. I, I watched her in, in her campaign down in uh in Georgia and I
2: thought she did an incredible job. It's funny you should mention that, Rod. Uh, after the first debate, uh, and Kamala went strong at Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. And the next day, I came to her. I'm like, man, I'm drinking that Kamala Kool Aid. I liked her. I really liked her. <laughs> oh, I liked her. her at first. I, liked I did her. like her. I like. I, I don't. Dis- I
0: still like yeah, her. Yeah, but, but
2: then Tulsi Gabbard yeah. at her. And the next debate on that issue that Monroe yeah. raised mm-hmm. about uh, her tough on crime stance as Attorney General, right? And she, uh, while she was professing her belief in the in the in legalization of marijuana, uh, and she never recovered. Uh, uh, Kamala Harris from that, and her, right. I think her campaign. And then she flip flopped on healthcare, and that right. was the kiss of death yeah, for her campaign. Yeah, uh, so, uh, you know, I'm not quite certain she would be the person that Joe Biden, but I, I just think if you're Joe Biden, Joe Biden is where he is, Rod Sawyer, because he was the white guy who was Barack Obama's vice president. Yeah, He would not be a candidate for president. In 2020, no. if Barack Obama hadn't picked him and Barack Obama needed like Joe White guy from uh, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania right, from yeah, Scranton. Scranton. Right? right. Right. Now, Joe White guy needs a black woman on the candidate. That's how I view it. What do you think? I, I
0: think you have there's some legitimacy to that. I understand. You know, I agree. I would agree that he needs someone that could, you know, fill out those votes that he's he's missing right now. He, need he needs that's somebody
4: that's going to be, be yeah. ex, make, um, make his campaign ex, his his people excited, right? excited. excited. And excited. Yeah. He needs some excitement because the, the the support he has is like people go, well, Joe, I like Joe. Joe's a nice man, you know, but they. They aren't going to turn out in the tens of thousands at a rally or anything like that for him.
2: Yeah, and someone like Stacey Abrams yeah, could provide exactly, that. Yeah. Exactly. Well, this is one of my uh, – people always say, you know, Ben, uh, look in uh, uh, Milwaukee and Detroit. The numbers fell in the Clinton-Trump race. That's why she won. I always go to much closer. I go – I take a, take a look at the sixth ward. Take a look at the 34th ward, eighth ward in the city of Chicago, which are almost – like what? Ninety-nine percent black. We're about ninety-eight percent black. Ninety-eight percent black. So you get a good idea what the black vote is, uh, and so I take a look at the the six ward. Six ward numbers fell significantly in twenty sixteen turnout. Take a look at that uh, because folks weren't excited about Hillary Clinton like they were about Barack Obama in twenty twelve.
0: Oh, absolutely. That I, I would say that's a fair assessment, and uh, and I, and I think everybody was. Thought so much that so little of Don Trump, Donald Trump at the time, they just figured that Hillary Clinton was a foregone conclusion yeah. in the 2016 general election. Even I always go back to the Saturday Night Live skit where you know they they got them dancing and sitting there right before the election, <laughs> and they just you know, yeah.
2: they're already having a party. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Chris Rock, exactly right, Chappelle, yeah, David Chappelle. But
0: they just had it. They just it was all, it felt like a foregone conclusion, and uh-huh. then. You know, we got socked with a sucker punch, and at the ele- on election day, but uh, but you're right. I think there was not a lot of excitement in the 2016 general election. Uh, people just kind of thought, you know, Hillary's got it; it shouldn't be a problem. But uh, we underestimated the uh, the Donald Trump effect, if you will. Yeah, yeah. and and, and,
4: uh, and we can't afford to do that again. So right. we need Bernie. Bernie would be a good choice in in that. Um, he knows what he's doing. He has experience, et cetera. But we need somebody that's going to bring passion to to that campaign. And it's not gonna be Bernie.
2: Well you're speaking about for the Assuming that Joe Biden Yeah. I
4: mean Biden. Biden I'm sorry. Yeah, I, Joe I'm, Biden. I'm mixing my yeah. Okay. You're yeah. getting your old white guys no, mixed I'm saying, up. I'm getting right, exactly. right. No, I'm, I'm, one, I'm getting, no my I'm getting my bees mixed up. All right. Okay. Yeah, uh, no, I meant I I Biden. We're gonna no, take I'm a, not a Bernie.
2: I know you're not a Bernie guy. Uh, We're going to take a brief break. We'll come back. We're going to ask Rod Sawyer uh, the Hillary Bernie question. We'll be right back. Many
0: of your opponents support a commission to study the issue of reparations for slavery. But you are calling for up to five hundred billion dollars in financial assistance. What makes you qualified to determine how much is owed in reparations?
5: Well, first of all, it's not five hundred billion dollars in financial assistance. It's five hundred billion dollars, two hundred to five hundred billion dollars. Payment of a debt that is owed. That is what reparations is. We need some deep truth telling when it comes. We don't need another commission to look at evidence. I appreciate what uh, Congressman O'Rourke has said. It is time for us to simply realize that this country will not heal. All that a country is is a collection of people. People heal when there's some deep truth telling. We need to recognize that when it comes to the economic gap between blacks and whites in America, it does come from a great injustice that has never been dealt with. That great injustice has had to do with the fact that there was 250 years of slavery followed by another 100 years of domestic terrorism. What makes me qualified to say 200 to $500 billion? I'll tell you what makes me qualified. If you did the math of the 40 acres and a mule, given that there was 4 to 5 million slaves at the end of... of of the Civil War, they were fortified, and they were all promised 40 acres and a mule for every family of four. If you did the math today, it would be trillions of dollars, and I believe that anything less than a hundred billion dollars is is an insult and I believe the two hundred to five hundred billion is is politically feasible today because so many Americans realize there is an injustice that continues to form a toxicity Wor- underneath the surface an emotional turbulence Ms. that Williams- only Sen- reparations. Thank will you heal.
0: very much. Senator Sanders <laughs>
1: Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, take us home.
2: Do you I haven't done this one in a while, I think I'll do this one. Uh, in the studio, Monroe Anderson and Rod Sawyer. Rod Sawyer, uh, he's an alderman, knows Chicago politics. Well, Rod Sawyer uh, is a supporter of Joe Biden, thinks he knows what he's best for the Democrats. Rod Sawyer is an expert on movies from the 1970s, black exploitation movies in particular. We'll get into that. But what you may not have known about Rod Sawyer, Dr. D, he's one hell of a keyboard player right there playing the keyboard. <laughs> is that him? Yeah, he's oh, the wow. keyboard right over there. He's good. He learned that all at St. Ignatius High School. Did That's I get right. that right?
0: Wow. St. Ignatius College Prep.
2: But oh, excuse right me. Here. Oh, college prep. Hey, Ignatius. uh Ignatius. All right, uh, Rod Sawyer. So uh, Hillary versus Bernie. I have been ripping Hillary all day in this one. I'm just like, come on now. Keep this thing going for so long. It was four years ago. Get over it. Rod Sawyer you had some tough political uh elections in your ward. You lost some, you won some. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't think you're still fighting with the person that or maybe I'm wrong in this no, one. You're the not.
0: person I lost an election to is one of my best friends right now, uh Charles Morrow. He and lives three doors from me. Yeah. Four doors from me. You're right. We talk all the time.
2: So, get over one of my Hillary senior Clinton. advisors, right? Yeah. And I believe your predecessor is a judge right now. Uh, yes. I,
0: and I, uh, Judge Lyle is a wonderful person. We talk all the time. Uh, she still is in the ward. We have a good relationship.
4: Let, let me say this real quickly. When I was press secretary, mm-hmm. the thing, having been a journalist for 18, 19 years at the time, um, when I went into politics, I was amazed at how these guys would fight like cats and dogs in the city council. Then they go out after work and have a drink and it would be, you know, you would wonder, oh, are these two different sets of people, or what? I mean, they you know Really good professional politicians yeah. don't personalize a lot of this stuff. No, like, you, right? you
0: can't personalize a lot yeah. of this stuff. I mean, like I said, some of my good friends on the council floor right now, we have a lot of political disagreements, but, we're we're friendly and we're good good guys. We can go out together, have a meal, and have a cocktail, and 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 talk about things the other day. But uh, it, we don't you know wear a chip on our shoulder. Don't take it home.
2: Well, all right. Since you mentioned it, let's bring it up. Uh, we've been talking national politics. Uh, Rod Sawyer, of course, is the alderman of the uh, sixth ward and city council. Uh, your thoughts and reflections on uh, what has it, it been a year? almost a year of Mayor Lori Lightfoot and you had a breakthrough with Rahm Emanuel. You didn't get off to the best of starts with him, but by the end you guys were singing Kumbaya. So reflect on Rahm and Lori.
0: What I will say about Rahm Emanuel, Rahm Emanuel was, was a passionate man and, you know, a man of conviction and we, you're right, we did not get along at all in the first four years. And after that, Uh, election after the what we call the blue sweater moment the fuzzy sweater moment (laughs) (laughs) we did have an opportunity to speak Uh at at length and uh, we really talked and kind of felt each other out and kind of understood each other a lot better and and as chair of the black caucus I was able to talk to him a lot more often and we were able to come to an accord and work together on on bringing things to neighborhoods uh, to black neighborhoods that I thought were impactful Uh, I think I was just talking to someone today about one of the big things I thought that we brought out in Matt Rahm Emanuel was a Neighborhood Opportunity Fund, Mm -hmm. and I'm hoping that we'll hear better generations of it through Amir Lightford, but it was a way for us to get investments in black neighborhoods that were not TIF rich, and that's really where the Neighborhood Opportunity Fund and Thrive Zones came from, you know, areas that did not have active TIFs, but they were blighted, and they were mostly black neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. Uh, it was a way to have an, a shot in the arm and, and a financial injection to bring new businesses uh, to this communities or expand existing businesses to areas that did not have other financing tools, which is a big problem in the city of Chicago because we do not have a real capital development plan. Our only capital development plan right now are TIFs, which is
2: frustrating. Mm-hmm. And, that, and now to, moving forward to, I'm sorry, to, to going uh, Mayor to Mayor Lightfoot, go ahead. Mayor lyford
0: has been around now six, seven months now. Uh, in office and i and I think she's you know getting her feet wet and, and trying to understand what we do as a council um, I think that she had some thoughts when she first got in that you know we were just a rubber stamp and we were just this and I think she's understood now that you know we are a diverse body and we do have opinions and we do express them uh, oftentimes people that have come into the political realm that not have been involved in it. Uh, they don't see how the sausage is made. You know, When whether it's Rahm Emanuel or Mayor Daly or Mayor Sawyer, you know, there are fights and battles internally that you may not see on the 5 o'clock news. Uh, all you see is the end battle that we've worked it out, we voted for it, and sometimes that vote is 47, 48 to nothing. But it didn't start that way. That, that fight was in council committees, it's in briefing sessions. And we argue and fight and curse and do all that in those meetings and in those sessions. You know, no one's, you know, trying to get rolled over, but we want to make sure that things are, are prop, you know, that make sense for my community and all the other 49 other aldermen that are going to make sense for their individual communities. And that's when the fight is. So I think she never saw that before or didn't see it enough just to think that we're just going to say whatever the mayor says and we're going to do. That's not how it works. Do you think she's
2: too thin skinned?
0: I, I no, I won't say she's too thin-skinned, but I do understand that she uh, she is quick-witted, and you know she's very she's very quick on her feet. Being a uh, former prosecutor, I know that's just natural to her, and I I think that she does have a, a lingering animosity for things that don't go her way. I can see that, mm-hmm. but I think that overall, I think that she's getting past that because again, this is something that you have to acquire. Uh, being an elected officer uh, is thick-skinned. You know, because people are going to talk about you. They're going to, you know, jab at you and and nip at you. But you have to have the thick skin to keep moving forward and not let it get to you.
2: No, I. Uh, uh, there's an old movie. We're gonna switch to movies in a little bit, but there's an old movie, Barry a movie about a, a Jewish family, Avalon, I think it's called. And they have a fight at Thanksgiving over cutting the turkey, and the family falls apart over that. Mm-hmm. They hold a grudge, and Jewish families—that's a problem. Okay, the grudges are held for a long time. I think Lori Lightfoot reminds me a lot of Jewish families I know. She holds a grudge. <laughs> that grudge is gonna be held for. A, stacy davis gates is learning that in the chicago teachers union she holds a grudge for a long time come on don't be like avalon Lord lightfoot you gotta let it go sometimes <laughs> even i let go grudges occasionally uh all right uh rod sawyer here's the moment i have to ask you this question before we let you go uh as again Rod and i could talk forever about movies he's a big movie fan and one thing is, we share a love of nineteen seventies movies. Absolutely. That's our generation. I'm a little older, but basically, we were seventies uh, guys. A yeah. couple of years, and uh, Eddie Murphy uh, was the star of Dolomite, which is a tribute to one of the great uh, characters of black exploitation really? movies, Ray Moore. I do not know how the Academy Award could have avoided nominating Eddie Murphy. The outrage is second only in that category, just that category, to the fact that somehow or other, they found it in their infinite idiocy not to nominate Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems. Your opinion on those?
0: I happen to see both, seen both of those movies. They're both great performances. Eddie Murphy did a phenomenal job uh, approaching Rudy Ray Moore. It was just mind boggling as a kid, you know, where I listened to albums I wasn't supposed to listen to, uh, sneaking listening to Rudy Ray Moore, uh, listening to LaWanda Page, listening to all those individuals back then. Uh, Red Fox, early uh, Richard Pryor, uh, listening Ma- to all Moms that. Mabley, Moms Mabley, uh, uh here come the Judge, all yeah, that. Amen. You know, it just, you know, it just brought back memories to me, and I saw, and, and he just personified Rudy Ray Moore, just, and, and at the same time. I was blown away watching Uncut Gems, uh going to see Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler. That was probably one of the biggest surprises to me to see this traditionally, you know, comic, you know, lowbrow comic actor mm-hmm. dig deep and, and, and do this character that he did uh that and he played such a phenomenal role. I just was blown away by Adam Sandler's uh, performance.
2: Yeah, and he they did. both should have
0: been uh, both nominated. Be nominated. Yeah.
2: Outrage. We're going to be talking about it with Sergio Mims next week. We're going to have a special uh, Ramana Hussein, Sergio Mims. We're going to do a whole uh, Oscars thing. But that's one of my one part of the things we're going to do. Uh, Rod is we're going to do we're going to do who sh- who will who we predict will win who we think should win among the nominees and then who wasn't who nominated, was nominated right. and uh, just. There's such a bias against comic actors. You know, I mean, Eddie Murphy, uh, Adam Sandler, they hold these bias against them.
0: Well, it took a while because we had a lot of traditional comic actors that did switch over. I mean, Jim Carrey. He never won. He He never never got nominated. Tom Hanks did, though. Tom Hanks... You know Tom Hanks Bosom Buddies. That, is correct. Drag, you know, yeah, that correct. is correct. You know, played <laughs> a drag. Yeah, that is
2: correct. You're right. Jamie, Jamie Foxx,
0: you know, uh He's,
2: Did he Yes, he got it for right. Uh, right. Yeah. By the way, I haven't seen it yet, but just Mercy's people are saying he did a he killed Great it. Great job. He should have been a supporting actor in that. Yes, he did a
0: phenomenal job in that. Yeah. That was a superb movie. Yeah. Did that did that come out last and Michael year? Michael Jordan um yeah, he did. It. They both did a great yeah, role. But Michael B. Jordan. Yeah,
4: Michael yeah, B. Mike. Jordan. Yeah. See, yeah, that, yeah. the Oscars is going back to Oscar so white. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, come on. Dude, what, what about Adam Sandler? He's not. He's. It's not. It's not a racial thing. There. They just have a bias against comics. Yeah.
0: You get com- yeah comics are hard. When they switch over to you know to uh, non-comic roles, it,
2: yeah, it just becomes something different. Yeah. Yeah. That Jim Carrey, man. They, they n- no love for Jim Carrey. I, I love Jim Carrey. I do too. It, I think he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, Rod Sawyer, we'll maybe drag you into one of those uh, movie uh, shows uh, one of these days. Rod Sawyer, thank you so much for coming in. Monroe pleasure. Anderson. Uh, every Wednesday he's here uh, on our show, and thank you for sticking around uh, before later Before we get usual. out of here,
1: we got to reward our live chat champion for the oh,
2: day. okay. All That's right. That's
1: right. Big thank you to everybody who weighed in mm-hmm. on the YouTube live stream chat. If you're listening on the download, we encourage you to check it out sometime, Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time. Hang out with like-minded political people. Have fun, make fun of Ben. We have a great time on the live stream, all right? Let's see here. So uh, I went through everyone's comments today. And, well, our YouTube live stream chat champion is none other than Brianna. Oh, which one?
2: Uh, which which the, comment? No, right, she, which had, Brianna? No,
1: she had two comments. And uh, the first one, Ben has so many girlfriends. Marianne, Nancy, play on player. <laughs> oh, no, that was really fun. I do
2: love Nancy Pelosi. That's a conversation, Rod, for another time. <laughs> it, I, I love Nancy, but I think she's doing a great job. It, yes, w-
1: It was this comment from Brianna that got her the win. Uh, speaking of Joe Biden Brianna says Joe Biden will move in whatever direction <laughs> the record player tells him to. Oh God, that's
2: like very good. Let's we're gonna send her this blue Mustang. Zoom, zoom in the okay, mail. No one, no one wins cars. <laughs> it's in the mail right now.
4: Play the radio. Make sure the television. The, excuse me. Make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words.
2: Okay, you know, I, every time I hear that, that's Joe Biden tripping yeah. all over his tongue uh, from a couple of debates ago. But I, I always say this. I'll close with this, and Rod knows what I'm saying is true. No politician in the city of Chicago, which is sort of my universe, has ever been punished for being inarticulate. Uh, uh the mayor of the city of chicago from 1989 till 2011. half the time i didn't know what he was talking about and year after year voters re-elected I'm him kind of wet and uh uh so um yes i, I knew it rod so just made a wise crack off mike which i will leave but i remember that as well so uh yes i will always have fun making fun of joe biden for that but I don't think the I don't think the voters are going to hold it against him, right, sir? I actually do not think no. the smoothest talker on that stage is Pete Buttigieg, and he's uh, going nowhere. Yeah,
4: and you know he's supposed to stutter, and that's why he talks the way he, he does. Fine. that's okay. what they're saying Okay.
2: as we head out the door I'm just going to say this about yeah. that I've said this already but uh, i got to share this Okay. I believe absolutely that Joe Biden overcame a stuttering problem as a kid and I give him credit for doing that yeah. I know what it's like to have these kinds of afflictions yeah. and you got to fight them but I heard I've watched Joe Biden for a long time Okay. Yeah. And I saw Joe Biden in the Anita Hill hearings I saw Joe Biden running for president uh, in 2008 uh, and when he w- debated Sarah Palin and when he de- debated the kid from uh, Wisconsin, Paul, uh, Ryan, Paul Ryan, yeah. Joe Biden didn't have any stuttering problem back then. I think Joe Biden is just getting up there, yeah. and a lot of a lot of us, <laughs> it's a lot harder to get us <laughs> end a sentence where you want to end it once you started. Right. So remember Joe Biden and the Sarah Palin debate? Absolutely, he mopped the floor. Mops, oh, yeah, crushed it. So
0: yeah, good
4: point.
2: You know. All right, very good. Uh, Rod Sawyer, Monroe Anderson, Marge Halpern, and, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. And as Rod Sawyer can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody.
1: No one's ever called me that in my life. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J. Bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Downloaders, I mentioned it a second ago, and I'm going to do it again. We live stream this program. It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. Join the live stream chat. Get crazy, huh? Join Brianna, Jay Marie, Stephen, and the rest of the gang. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody.